Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight's on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have your SummerSlam recap. Adam Cole, baby, turns on the Young Bucks. We have your G1 Knights. Seven through nine, I think, recap. It's three nights of G1. Ric Flair has his last match. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band for Ringside podcast. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. If a tree jobs in the forest... Does it still kayfabe? And sitting directly across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and answer the question and say no, because nobody saw the job itself. So in that scenario, there can be, cannot be kayfabe. So there you go, everybody. There's the, uh, the questions of the history of wrestling life and all we know about it on, on that level we know. I'll ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, Volume 268, Chapter 3, Verse 14. And the good smart saying, hashtag, boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the Holy Trinity of BFR. Um, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about this week to start off the pod. I know, you know, the the basic uh, principles, the three count and all that other good stuff. But I'm sitting here trying to rack my head about what I want to start with because it's one of two things, obviously. It's either G1 or SummerSlam. I'll let you uh, do your thing, and then let me figure out what the fuck I want to talk about. To start so we're thing. coming at you from sunny, hot St. Charles, Missouri on the back patio. What you getting mad look for? It's, this is not hot. It's we've, pretty hot out. We've been out here hotter than this. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's cold. It means it's still fucking hot, though. We're coming to, and I, you know, the Veggie Clan's got some new patio furniture. It is it's nice. Pretty it is nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, we dropped enough fucking money on it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's pretty comfortable back. Propane tank goes under here, and this will have a little fireplace on it if you want it. So you take this thing off, and it's got a bunch of rocks in there, and oh, it's got okay. like a little fireplace. Like this thing right here. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. How, okay. See? I see you. See? I see you. Welcome to the suburbs. Well, you're moving on up. Uh, so, no Zach this week, unfortunately. Uh, it was the end of his, I don't know, how long has he been on vacation? Six, eight weeks? Whatever. Something like that. <laughs> seems it, like he's it, been it, on vacation <laughs> for a while. It's work. It's happy hour. Yeah, it's, it's vacation. I'm with my family. He's like, uh, now I'm at happy hour. It's like, okay, Zach, whatever. So You, just you come got, back whenever you're ready, buddy. <laughs> you just got me and Jason. So, this is basically just a throwback to the... 2000 aughts on uh, the, <laughs> on the on the uh, on the front patio of Jack Patrick's Bar and Grill in downtown oh, St. Louis. Just the some of the players are the same. Yeah, right. Uh, but now we watch Japanese wrestling, and let's get to that three count. <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot about that. Three. JCB, kick it off. Uh, fuck it. I guess let's let's go in order the way we should. Uh, SummerSlam on Saturday night. Um, Shit, where, where was SummerSlam at this year? Nashville. It, Nashville, I was going to say, because Corbin came out in Indianapolis gear. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine matches, if I'm counting it right. Uh, main event, obviously, Brock versus Roman. 
last man standing for the undisputed WWE Unified Heavyweight Championship. Um, for me, the biggest takeaway was probably that match. Becky and Bianca being the the other biggest takeaway. Um, I did not see SummerSlam until late Sunday night, and when I went to Tinder's uh, apartment to watch Ric Flair's last match, the entire card itself, he was pretty excited about SummerSlam. You know, more excited than I've seen Tinder be about the WWE really? product in a while. Yo, he was like, I mean, did you watch it? Did you watch it? I was like, no, nah, man, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. Right. He's like, oh, man, you, you got to watch it. He's like, no, it was, it was really good. I was like, okay, you well, know. Good. good for Joe. For me, I only had like two matches that I really, really cared about. And then if you kind of reeled me in with a match or two, okay, I can go with that. Um, Brock versus Roman, I thought, was the best way – you could come with a last man standing match, have both guys look strong, and have one guy obviously go over and get the pin. By the time that match ended, you had obviously the tractor spot. Uh, Theory had came out. The Usos had came out. Um, shit, and right in the moment that, that wasn't in the back was out at, at a certain point in time. Heyman got, you know, F5'd. When they buried Brock underneath all that rubble, I was like, okay, this makes this is the only way, the way they're telling this story, that Brock can stay down for a count of 10 and make it believable. Because everything else they did to this point, somehow, some way, guys stumbled out. You know, Roman might have not have made it at a 10 count at one point. I'll let you decide that. For me, I didn't have a lot of high hopes coming into it and I was pleasantly surprised the right guy went over um and they emptied the the tank on this one if that makes sense if this is going to be the the quote unquote last time they're going to do this they emptied the tank I don't believe that this is going to be the last time I, somewhere down the line 6 months a year from now I think we cross this bridge again title or no title I, I don't think you get away from Brock versus Roman anytime soon. It's the it's WWE's preeminent matchup. Rock versus Hogan was one, or I'm sorry, Rock and Austin were one of those matchups. HBK, Bret Hart. I think this is along that same line. So for me, I wasn't in love with it, but I think they did just enough to where I was like, okay, I can deal with this. You know, there was enough chaos. There was enough sports entertainment. The right guy went over. I didn't have a problem with the match. Uh, I didn't have a problem with the match. It, it was a spectacle, you know, and it is probably befitting of a SummerSlam main event because it's not mania. It's not taken quite as seriously in terms of having somebody go over clean or something like that. It's SummerSlam. It's a little bit different historically. Nobody does spectacle like WWE. Um, the tractor stuff, I watched it live because um, I was home. My wife was sitting there looking at her iPhone, much as she is right now, just fucking staring at her iPhone, just never stops looking at her iPhone, just like fucking Instagram to Facebook, back to Instagram, Pinterest. Uh, what was I talking about? Tractor. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I watched it live. <laughs> See how I have to pay attention? I'm like, what the fuck did he talk? Oh, yeah, the tractor. So I watched it live. 
I wasn't all that. It's see, it. I guess I'm so jaded that it seemed really obvious to me. It's like this is the only way that you can do Brock and Roman another time and have it feel any different than their many, many matches that they've had before this in big spots like this. It's not just like they fought on Raw or anything. They they fight huge matches, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Summer Crown, Crown Jewel. Jewel. They, they fight main these event huge, main event, huge main event matches, and they've been doing it for 10 years. So I just kind of saw through it, and I was like, okay, so now Brock has a tractor, and this is fun. I'm sure it's fun for the people in the, in the arena, and, uh, you know, a lot of people seem to enjoy it. Wasn't really for me, and maybe that makes me a. I agree. Maybe that just makes me like super jaded, just a super cynical wrestling fan. But it wasn't for me. And this, this is gonna this is gonna make us sound like fucking snob ass uh, uh, wrestling hipsters. But after you've been watching G One for you know you're watching five G One <laughs> matches or fifteen G One matches a week for a couple weeks. It's like, I don't mind a change of pace. This match didn't really do it for me. I thought that Becky versus Bianca was really, really good. Upon uh, revealing that Becky had a separated shoulder for about 20 minutes in that match. Right. I think it really magnifies how good that match really was. I think that Logan Paul was even one-upped himself in terms of like how good he was at WrestleMania. I thought he was even better in the SummerSlam match, and we talked about after WrestleMania about how he was a natural. And he said afterwards, like, he feels like he's meant to do this, like he found his calling in life. It really looks like he has. I agree. Um, the Summer, that SummerSlam match, I guess, uh, what was the uh, – was that the WrestleMania match when they had against the uh, Mysterios? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, you could kind of hide him if you needed to. If you didn't think he would be able to stand those bright lights, that wasn't the case then. I think this time around, it was like watching McAfee versus Adam Cole. It was a one-on-one match, so you really had a chance to have him sink or swim. And he swam tremendously. Yeah, I mean, beautifully. It, it was – I don't like the fact that they're making him a baby face right now, but past that, I thought him in the ring – him, Pat McAfee, I'm sure I'm missing somebody else. They're like some bad, bad bunny. They're like the last Fucking Johnny Knoxville. I mean, really, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that long ago when this was Ronda Rousey, right? You know what I mean, right? It kind of seems like this is. I mean, because now they have, if you count Rousey, which I I know nobody wants to, but really, it wasn't that long ago when she made her debut. What right. was it, five years ago or something? When they had that. WrestleMania match where Feels it was like again. her and Angle versus we were we were doing the pie when they were uh, when they had that match so it, it had to be within the last five years right so excuse me that is the era of celebrities making appearances at big pay per views or sorry premium live events yeah get your shit right that company doesn't fucking pay me it's the pay per views. <laughs> Uh, against the machine, baby. But uh, the era has shifted to where now 
you know, who's going to be the next guy? I heard that Dwight Howard was working out. I heard that too. That they they said that in uh, <laughs> like one of their spots where they had the uh, SummerSlam trials. I heard I was like Dwight. Did I hear that shit right, man? What the fuck? Who do you think would have been better at the other person's job? Do you think Dwight would be a better wrestler, or Omos would have been a better NBA player? Uh, if I had to. Guess I'm going to go with Dwight Howard would be the better wrestler. This is just me taking a shot at Dwight Howard, the basketball <laughs> player, because I never really thought of him very much as an NBA player. No, but, he's uh, not saying defensive player of the year. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah. Um, <laughs> Say, whatever, motherfucker. But uh, L- Logan Paul was probably the thing when I thought back to it, because I really didn't think about it the next day, but as I thought, thinking about the podcast, I was like, God damn, that Logan Paul. I mean, he did... From the top turnbuckle onto the announce table. He's, That's some Shane McMahon shit. It's some Shane McMahon shit, and he was doing other people's moves, which is also Shane McMahon shit, because right. Shane McMahon never really had a finishing move. It was always just he would do other people's moves and, and then, then you know, jump crawl off of something. Yeah, yeah, crawling somebody to get the pin. Uh, but, I mean, I in, watching it live, like I, I said this about, I guess it was Money in the Bank, watching it live, I had a good time. I didn't feel like my time was wasted. I wasn't expecting a five-star classic from Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I never expect a five-star classic out of uh, Roman Reigns at all. So I was hoping for a spectacle, and it delivered. Yep. Um, I think we've seen the buried underneath stuff before. Didn't somebody, like, pull a string and have a bunch of folding chairs fall down on somebody yep. sometime? Yep. I feel like it was Kevin Owens, but... I, I, I can't remember who it was, but, yeah, we've seen people get buried before, and... Th- I won't sit here and say it was. It's an original thought, but it, for this spectacle, like you said, for everything that we've gotten up to that point, I'm sitting there like, okay, how the fuck does this match end? How yeah. does somebody stay down for yeah. ten seconds? But you were right, right from the get go. The first thing you said, it's like they had Brock Lesnar lose a last man standing match and he doesn't look bad coming out of it. Fuck he, no. he doesn't look any less strong coming out of no, it. No, I mean it, it if anything, you know, you you can almost make an argument that he could get the rematch or whatever the case may be. Theory comes out, you know, whatever. Whoever lost that match needed to be as strong as they were coming into that match. Brock Lesnar loses nothing. Roman Reigns gets another notch in his belt. He can crow about beating Brock Lesnar in the last man staying match. Everybody walks away happy. Brock can go away for a little bit if you want him to, or he could just be on the peripheral. You can bring Brock in at any time. They've shown that. I think a couple of things we haven't talked about. Um, The first thing, the biggest thing to me is uh, the return of Bailey with uh, Dakota Sky and – Eo Shirai, or I'm sorry, Eo um, Dakota Kai, Dakota Kai, and Eo Sky. All right, thank you. I'm, I'm gonna fuck that up for at least two or three. It's easy weeks. to fuck up. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so used to her being Eo Shirai. Um, so obviously after the curtain jerker Becky versus Bianca match, Becky loses to Bianca, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, so where's Bailey? I mean, immediately didn't even cross my mind. I, oh, I was I've been calling for this for a minute because now. It's like, now what? I know you don't. No, most people don't. I'm like, now what? Okay, what's next? And then as soon as, you know, we queered uh, Becky out of the ring, boom, Bailey's music hit. I was like, okay, good. Good start. We haven't seen Bailey in, they said a year. It feels like it's been three. 
if it wasn't for Bailey getting hurt, I think Bailey and Bianca are telling this story that Becky and Bianca just told. If that makes sense, there was a there was going to be like a last woman a woman standing match between Bailey and Bianca. It was right around Survivor Series, and Bailey got hurt, and she hasn't been back since that point. It feels right. This feels like that should have been. Bailey and Bianca telling this story if you wanted to bring Becky back like they did last year's SummerSlam early after she gave birth. You could have done it. You could have waited and let Bailey and Bianca tell their story, then bring Becky back in. They didn't. They brought Becky back in last year's SummerSlam, and they've been telling a year-long story. Now return to Bailey. Perfect. Dakota Kai was a huge surprise because obviously they released her, but this to me was the first sign of the the Triple H regime. They're br- she's bringing back someone. The Paul Levesque era. Okay, I was like, oh, okay, that's what's up. Bringing back somebody that clearly he likes and the fans like as well. And then EO Sky, I thought was the the one that was the surprise of the bunch. Yeah, it was an exciting return to have Bailey come back. Bailey is good. I I either would have a had her cut a promo, or b have her come out last. Like her coming out first was like, oh shit, Bailey's back, and then it was Dakota Kai next, and then it was Io Sky next, and it was the law of diminishing returns. Like, the crowd just popped less and less and less. Well, I mean... I disagree. When EO came out, I think it was a a bigger... It might have went down when Dakota came out. It went back up, in my opinion, when EO Sky came out. She's been one that's been floundering in NXT for way too long. She's awesome. She's awesome. And Uh, that, that, to me, was like, okay, this is Triple H making a stamp on SummerSlam, and it's not the only stamp he made, but it was a stamp, and it came out early. For sure. What do you think? I believe their faction is called Control. Have you heard that? I said that I was like, I was watching Monday Night Raw, and I'm like, okay, they they've been on like two times at this point. I was like, okay, we got to get these girls a name. We can't have them saying Bailey and Dakota and EO Sky every fucking week. We need to get a name. Somebody threw out control to me. I was like, that doesn't even sound good. Yeah. I'm not a huge, huge fan of that. So I hope that's not the case. But, yeah, that was, the, I guess, the name kind of thrown out. I don't think it's stuck. They haven't said anything on WWE. We'll find out next week if they have a, uh, a faction name or not. But, yeah, not a huge fan of control. I get it, but. You know, I think we could do a little, uh, a little better than that. I saw on Twitter that people are calling them the Shield, but they're spelling it S H E E L D. Get it? Like the Shield? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. No. The three woman power trip? No. A little better than the Shield. <laughs> I can go with that. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the Ronda Rousey Liv Morgan match. So obviously. Um, controversy abounds in that match where you have Ronda Rousey having Liv Morgan in a nasty armbar submission with Ronda Rousey's shoulders on the mat as she has uh, Liv Morgan in this armbar submission. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, your shoulders are on the mat. You need to get the shoulders off the mat before he counts to three. 
And as the referee's counting, I'm like, okay, it's the two count. I'm like, okay, she's going to roll her shoulders off or release the hold. And then, you know, the three count happens. I didn't even see Liv tap out until someone said, oh, didn't Liv tap out? And then the controversy begins. So they do a couple replays. We see that Liv taps out just before the three count. So Ronda Rousey should have won and obviously should have reclaimed her women's championship. And Ronda Rousey goes ballistic, takes out Liv Morgan, takes out refs, the whole shebang, official Ronda Rousey heel turn complete. I wish they would have done this beforehand, but now we do have the heel turn of Ronda Rousey that I've been calling for. It looks like, it ain't even look like it. I'm sure we'll get a third Ronda Rousey Liv Morgan match where now you'll have full full blown heel Ronda versus babyface Liv Morgan. I'll be really curious to see how they play that because now you've given Ronda two outs with her first two losses to Liv Morgan. At some point, if you're going to invest in Liv Morgan, you're probably going to have to have her beat Ronda Rousey Queen. So whenever those paths cross, that's what I'm looking for on that scenario. Dude, I I thought the finish was clever enough. You know, I saw exactly what was happening when it happened. I was like, oh, her, her, she's going to get penned. I didn't think that you had to have Liv tap out. Like, why would you make Liv tap out except to protect Rousey? She's already been protected. You know, are you watching me try to hold on to this oh, baby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She is not having it. You know, I, you remember when Michael Jackson dangled the baby over the stop, balcony? No, stop, hold on. Just, stop. Uh, hear, on hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Remember when Michael Jackson held the baby over the balcony? Yes. And everybody was like, that's so dangerous. How careless is that? Dude, you can't drop a baby off a balcony. I, I feel I feel completely com- I would. I've never done it. I would feel completely comfortable holding my child over a balcony and being sure that I wouldn't drop her. And I'm sure that Michael Jackson felt the exact same way. You both motherfuckers are crazy. Who, me and Michael Jackson? Yes. Okay, one hand in over on a balcony with my baby. Shit, you out your monkey No, he, he was holding that baby with both hands. I need to see the replay on that. I'm here. I'm here. Shh. I'm here to defend Michael Jackson. <laughs> I'm going to need to see the replay on that. I'm pretty sure that was a one-handed, like, no, I got you. Oh, no, wait, where you going? Look, what, you mean like this? I'll hold her, one, hold her one-handed? <laughs> kind of like that. That's what I'm saying, man. It's two hands, man. Please. Hold on a second. So I thought the finish, having her tap out to Rousey was just, I thought it was overkill. It's like you've already presented Liv Morgan as being kind of a weak champ. You've already presented Ronda Rousey for the last five years as being a world beater, somebody who can beat anybody, basically, in the women's division. There was no reason to do that. That being said, I thought it was a clever enough way to keep the title on Liv and not have it be a short reign. It's a clever way to keep the title on Liv, get heat on Ronda Rousey as she flips, and now you have justification for another match. It. Do I like it? Not necessarily, but like you said, it was clever enough to where now, as much as I don't like it, it makes sense. And that's the one thing of my biggest criticism about WWE for a long time is because they never connect the dots. It makes sense. I don't necessarily like it. I don't necessarily want to see a third match, but we're going to see it, and I understand why. Okay, fair enough. Um, The last thing that I want to talk about was the Usos go over the Street Profits once again. 
clean. One, two, three in the middle of the ring. Montez Ford looks dejected at the end. Now, listen. I understand that the Usos are one of the greatest tag teams that the WWE has ever had. Blah, blah, blah. They've been champs for... Over a year. Over a year. They are not... What are they called? How come I can't... How come I can't remember what fucking Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage were called? Mega Powers. They're not the Mega Powers. They're not unbeatable. The Street Profits are presented as being legitimate enough that they should be able to go over the Usos one out of every five times. And to have the Usos go over again... It's just, I understand that they're getting ready to turn one of the Street Profits against the other one. I don't know which one it's going to be. If I had to guess that they're going to turn Montez Ford, but it could be either one. But I didn't really like this. I want to see the Street Profits go over. Another, I guess, mark of the Triple H regime. I didn't necessarily... and I predicted the Usos were going to win. I think we all did at, at yes, that point. Yes, we did. Um, I think it was the way that Montez Ford reacted at the end where it was, you know, it's visible frustration. That was the whole point of the match, pretty much. Right. It was It was probably their – the bad part about this match, it came on the heels of what I thought was one of their better matches the last time they had uh, – at Money in the Bank. Bank. I thought that was one of their better matches that they've had in their uh, little feud or whatever the case may be. Probably their best match. I, if you, if, I wouldn't have an argument if you said that. Totally wouldn't have an argument with the, against that. But we're planting seeds for something. Now, what that something is, I don't know just yet. Um, but I don't necessarily want the Street Profits to break up right away. If this is going to be a slow kind of um, a, a slow build to it to where ultimately they break up. I'm okay with that. I thought that this was, like I said, the match wasn't exactly that good, but ultimately it was about what could be, what's going to be. And sooner or later, I think the Street Profits break up is just how they get to it. And then McAfee versus Corbin, uh, the right guy went over, if I'm remembering correctly, right? McAfee went over. McAfee went over. Um it was what it was. Um, I, I'll say this. I, I don't mind Pat McAfee being on the shows. I mean, he is going to be on the shows. I, I get it. I just We need to get him, like, his either go back to his NXT theme music or stick to something that's going to get the crowd hyped to it. This choir thing, I get it. Bum-ass Corbin was the theme coming into it, but it just it felt disjointed. It just didn't work. You know, I, was the crowd supposed to sing Bum-ass Corbin after the choir or, you know, it just it didn't feel right. So then, like, his interest wasn't, like, exactly hype. I liked his WrestleMania interest way better. I, I hate, you know, no disrespect, Blood Girl Raven. I hate the Baltimore Ravens, but that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, that's something that everybody knows. Everybody can sing along and get behind Pat McAfee. Nobody knew what the fuck to do with this shit yeah but they'd have to that's the that's the white stripes seven nation army and i can they'd have to buy the the rights to it i have no idea how much something like that costs um like wwe can't afford to show out well, a, sure a i know but, but a lot of a lot of fan bases do that chant and it doesn't go over the loudspeakers people just like chanting it you know what i mean like you'll hear it at, you'll hear it at, at soccer games 
uh, in UEFA, and it's not like they played over the loudspeakers. I'll say this, and we can move on to Raw because I think there's there's a couple of things I want to talk about on Raw, uh, specifically Champa. Um, I think it's just one of those things where if you're going to have Pat McAfee come in and out, that's fine. I get it. It's it's kind of like we talked about with Logan Paul or whatever. But, uh, you know, just stick to something that's going to work. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to get the – you know, this is for, you know, the crowd that, you know, that likes Pat McAfee, that likes the sports entertainment portion of it, that, or you're trying to get the casual fan into it. Make it to where now – Oh my God! You know, did you see Pat McAfee's interest at SummerSlam? No, I didn't. So then, the next time he comes out, you make it where it's must see TV. If you're trying to get these casual fans, you want to make it to where now? Oh, Pat McAfee's wrestling on what time? Oh, you know, I'll go to you know Joey's house. He always has wrestling on, and then you get your ass over there and you watch it. That's all I'm saying. Outside of that, I mean, I thought SummerSlam was what it was. It was a lot of storylines that. We're getting wrapped up under the Vince regime that Triple H inherited. So it wasn't the best pay-per-view. It wasn't the worst pay-per-view. Give me a letter grade. Uh, C+. Plus. That's exactly where I was, C+. Plus. I'm a little surprised that everybody is as high on it as they, they are. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was completely serviceable. Right. I was not mad by watching it. but Didn't blow me away. No, no by no means. Edge coming back, okay, you know. Riddle getting stomped by Seth. I get it. You know, keep Seth hot. He called out Roman. You know, he, you got the ooh and ah with that. Theory and Lashley was what it was. No surprise there. Judgment Day, Mysterios, it makes sense now because you have Edge coming back. That's why you have the no DQ. Corbin McAfee, eh, whatever. Okay, let's talk about Raw really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the two biggest takeaways from Raw was the immediate – uh, I guess, resurgence, for lack of a better word, for the U.S. title. They did a whole vignette about, you know, past winners of the U.S. title, and this is one of the things that others have I've seen online talk about, myself included, that the mid-card titles just don't feel important anymore. So now they feel like, at least early on in the Triple H regime, that it feels like there is going to be some sort of resurgence or build for the mid-card title, in this case, the U.S. title. They definitely made it feel important. Um, there was six guys that were all in two triple threat matches, the Bill Vegas special, uh, that were fighting their asses off to try to get that U.S. title shot to fight. Well, to, to just get in a match to get that U.S. title shot. They had, like you said, that vignette and that definitely feels different. Uh, what really felt different was who won. (laughs) That Uh, felt Way different. Yeah, I was kind of rooting for Ali in the first triple threat. Ali, AJ versus Miz. I thought this was a chance to get Ali over. No problem with AJ winning. The finish was absolutely ridiculous. 450, and then AJ pounces on him for Styles Clash. Very original. Didn't see that one coming. And then on the back end, you had Dolph versus Ciampa versus uh, Chad Gable. Original name in Chad Gable. Dolph can wrestle with anybody. And then Ciampa was the one guy that, you know, in a Triple H regime, you know uh, Tommaso Ciampa is that guy. Obviously, him and Johnny Gargano have arguably the best feud in NXT history. So I was really looking to see if Ciampa was going to win this match, which he did. So now, obviously, you have Ciampa versus AJ later on. That same night, Ciampa wins again. Unbelievable. So now you have Ciampa versus Bobby Lashley next week for the U.S. title. This is the, I guess, 
for me, the biggest takeaway from the whole weekend is because SummerSlam wasn't necessarily Triple H's baby. This Monday Night Raw felt like Triple H's baby. I was just going to say the same thing. I thought that when I was reading reactions to SummerSlam online before Monday Night Raw, I thought that people were a little too quick to be like, oh, Dakota Kai's back. The Triple H regime has started. It's like, well, you know, they've they've fired people and hired them right back before. That's not that unusual. I know that she's an NXT talent, which means that Triple H probably likes her a lot, but I you can say definitively, and I don't think there's – I think there's a 0% chance that Tommaso Ciampa would be the next challenger for the U.S. title against Bobby Lashley if Vince still has the pencil. I said it six months ago. I would have never have even – if you'd have told me this was happening, I would have never believed it. Now it seems very feasible. It almost seems feasible that Bobby Lashley could lose the U.S. title to Ciampa, and I wouldn't bat an eyelash. For me personally – I would love to see Ciampa as the U.S. champion coming in to start as, uh, you know, if he's going to be on the main roster, I would love him to be the U.S. champ to start and have him build from there. For Bobby Lashley, he doesn't need to be U.S. champion. He needs to be running down Roman Reigns. So, for me, it's a perfect way to separate Bobby Lashley from the U.S. title, have Ciampa there, and establish him as a mid-card guy first. And if you want to move him up, fantastic. And Roman is going to need more opponents. If he gets past Drew uh, Drew um, McIntyre, Bobby Lashley could be in the wings or somebody else. So in that scenario, you can kind of see the chess pieces move a little bit under Triple H. I would love to – obviously, I'd love to see Ciampa win. I'm a, I'm a Blackheart guy through and through. He, he held he, – he was the king of NXT, in my mind, for a long time, for over a year. Did you see his uh, promo backstage after? I did, I did not. Woo! I will say this, though. My argument against him winning, I'd love to see him win. My argument against him winning, just in terms of predictions, and I'm not saying you predicted it, but I could see him winning because the what you laid out makes a lot of sense. Somebody's got to – somebody has to take this title off of Roman before WrestleMania, right? <laughs> no, probably not. Probably Seth not. Seth Rollins is my guess. Um, but uh, Lashley is doing – since he got hooked up with the Hurt Business – he has been doing the work of his career, I would say. He has been fantastic, and he is over like Rover. He is people. People are with him, and people like Bobby Lashley. I, for one, would love to see Bobby Lashley take the belt off of Roman Reigns. I don't see it happening. But this, I didn't watch the match. I I, I saw Champa. I thought it was going to be Champa versus AJ. I figured it would be AJ. I didn't watch the match. I woke up the ne- I woke up woke up the next day, checked it, saw Champa won, was very pleasantly surprised. So go Champa. It was good. Um the last thing I want to talk about is just and it's probably it's not a big major storyline, but it's something that I guess highlights the difference between the Vince regime and the Triple H regime. The Mysterios versus the Usos was the main event. Uh, on Raw and Monday night for the uh, Undisputed Tag Team Championships. Obviously, the uh, the Usos won. But in the, the midst of them winning, you had Edge come out to try to help out the Mysterios and then accidentally spear Dom and then go out to try to chase off Judgment Day as they came in beforehand to attack the Mysterios. For something that is very predictable – 
Usos winning, okay, I get it. But to me, there has to be a reason why. Why are we doing this match? Ray had a uh, an interesting promo early on. It was like, you know, Edge and I were tag team champions, and tag team champions are forever. So now we're going to be ready to test that theory. I'm glad that Edge is back, but I don't want him to always have to be on the Judgment Day's tail. Having Rey Mysterio in this gives it a little twist because now you basically attack my son. Whether you meant to or not, you know, obviously we're going to figure that out as time progresses. But this is, to me, more of Triple H playing a... I guess it's a story game where he's telling the story where Edge wants to get back at Judgment Day, but Dom just got in the way. You know, he just might be, this might just be family fire, Ray. You know, I'm sorry your son got in the way, but I got things to do. Ray ain't going like that shit because that's my son. You see, just feel my son. I see it going a different way. I see Dom joining Judgment Day. If you wanted to do it, this could make this could be the catalyst for it. Everything you just said made a whole, ton of sense, though. I didn't see Ray say that tag team champions are forever. Ray and Edge have been tag team champions. Each guy with probably six <laughs> different guys. <laughs> I mean, it's that's not even an exaggeration. I mean, I, I can just name four off the top of my head that both of them have been uh, tag team champions. I mean, Edge, you got. Christian, you got uh, Randy Orton, you got Rey Mysterio, you got Chris Jericho was tag team champions with Edge at one time. Uh, so that's four guys right there. Uh, Ray, Ray, you got probably Chris Jericho. Uh, <laughs> Batista, I do remember that. Batista, Big Show. Yeah, I was going to say Big Show. They were they were tag team champions one time. So, I mean, that means that you're tag team champions with a lot of dudes forever. It's not like people remember... Like it's not like the Edge and Ray tag team. Yeah, you see how great we uh we came with and just riled off both of these uh tag team champion partners. I guess uh, my point is this: Ray was probably tag team champions with Kane at some time. <laughs> Edge was probably tag team champions with Kane at one time. <laughs> we hate that Undertaker motherfucker. <laughs> Raw did a two point two on Monday night. It's probably it's I think it was like one of the better ratings they've had probably all year long. Wow, going back to. Maybe in twenty twenty one. I guess I'll I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. And if you you can uh, chime in, and if you want to move on, we can. I'll say this, and uh, on just WWE in general, I was not really looking forward to SummerSlam. I was kind of having one foot out of the door with WWE as a product because Vince is just Vince, and it just was really getting to the point where three hours of Raw was just becoming now a struggle. I can do two hours of uh, SmackDown. That's easy. The third hour of Raw, just, it starts to become a grind where it feels like you should pay me to watch this third hour. Now I feel like, okay, next week I'm ready to watch. I want to see what happens next. Ciampa and Lashley sounds like it's going to be amazing shit. You're going to have Becky, or not Becky, but Bianca and the, the ladies with their own little feud going on. Edge and Ray is going to have their thing going on. I want to see what's next. If this was the Vince regime... I would be like, man, I don't even want to. Do I want to watch Raw been next week? a long week? time it's since. It's been a long time since I've been like, okay, I want to see what happens next. Yeah, I'm curious little, to see what happens on SmackDown on Friday night. There's a little bit of juice in the product. There is. And yeah. it's been a hot minute. I think it's I think it's the first time since we started the podcast where 
I'm kind of excited watching WWE product again. And Theory was not on Raw this week. Perfect. 24-7 title wasn't on Raw this week as well. Something to look out for. I don't know if it's going to oh, go to man, SmackDown or not. I didn't even not. think about that. I didn't think about it either until somebody said it on Twitter. It was like 9.30 on a Monday night. And somebody was like, do you realize the 24-7 hasn't been on the uh, you Raw think, yet they're like, dude, shut up. You want to jinx it? Shut up. You think there's somebody out there that was watching Raw and Raw got done? They were like, where the fuck was Dana Brooke? <laughs> where the fuck was Reginald? <laughs> Damn, we forgot to get these guys on. Like I said, the Triple H regime looks different. It feels different. And it has me actually wanting to watch the product versus feeling like I have to watch the product. Let's hit that two count. One. Two beer. What's a two count? Uh, yeah, we got uh, we got AEW Dynamite last night. Uh, you know, it was a pretty good show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> sorry, I almost killed, I almost killed Jason. <laughs> sorry, Jason. Uh, so, AEW. <laughs> I'm not even sure that was a good impression. Um, so, AEW started off this week and. Uh, you know, we're going to go through the whole show like usually. Uh, we're probably not going to spend as much time on it as if it were. Stop. Be nice. I'm being nice. Hand me, hand me a shot, please. Um, so, uh, starting off, we had Lethal versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, good match. Orange. Lethal went over. Oh, yeah. Lethal went over. Definitely. Lethal went over. Uh, Sanjay Dutt and. Uh, Satnam Singh came out and they were they basically called out Wardlow they were getting ready to do some damage to Orange Cassidy Wardlow comes out, Lethal challenges them for the TNT title and they said they were going to kick the shit out of Orange Cassidy that was basically the end the crowd seemed hype for Wardlow which is good, they're keeping it simple with Wardlow we had some criticisms here at least I had some strong criticisms about the way they treated Wardlow after his big win over MJF. Keeping it simple with him is good. The crowd still loves him. What did you think about this segment? First of all, what do you think about Lethal versus Cassidy? I like the match. Um, I w- I'll be honest. I thought Orange Cassidy was going to win. Um, so even with Lethal getting the win, it it just felt like it was like a surprise. I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy talk. But I like the match. It uh, started off just, you know, traditional, and then it was an Orange Cassidy match. It became a Jay Lethal match at the end. So we ran the gamut with a bunch of uh, a different types of styles, which is always good. I won't say the right guy went over. I would kind of – I would really think that Jay Lethal would be the guy that would, you know, take the L here. But if you're going to have Wardlow versus Jay Lethal, which we ultimately find out in uh, later on that, that night – you're going to have them at Battle of the Belts on Saturday. This makes sense. So, at the end of the day, it's not a big loss for Orange Cassidy. I mean, I think he still has a little bit of that shine from the Will Ospreay loss. I thought he looked, uh, he was strong in that loss coming out of it versus anything else. But if Jay Lethal is going to face Wardlow on Saturday, this is the way to do it. This is the way you build to it. And we'll see what happens on Saturday. I would assume Wardlow would win, and then we move on from there. But I like the match. I, I didn't think I have, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I like the match a whole bunch. You know, I have 
I've been up and down on Orange Cassidy since his, you know, since I've even known who he was, which is basically at the inception of AEW. The guy has good matches. There's just, there's no doubt about it. The crowd's, yeah. be, the crowd's behind him. He puts on compelling matches. I loved when Jay Lethal was getting ready to do the big spot off the top rope, and Orange Cassidy kind of slowly rolled out and then put his, kind of did the Naito thing. And Jay Leth- the look on Jay Lethal's face was priceless. Like, just priceless. <laughs> it was it was so good. <laughs> Wardlow versus Jay Lethal seems to me like the right way to go. It seems like, you know, this would be a good way to help get Wardlow even more over, especially after Lethal pinned uh Ric Flair the other night. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, I know. Uh uh-uh. uh. I know. Don't make me come over there. That was a joke. Don't it make was me a come joke. over there. Nah, why man. Did, why that did Flair almost win? almost lost his life. Why did Flair win? I know. We'll we'll talk about it later. Um, but I was why I was. Why did Flair win? The fuck. <laughs> you gotta go out on your back, dude. No, you don't. He almost went out oh, in his coffin. <laughs> <laughs> so that was almost a that was almost an involuntary coffin, coffin match. match. <laughs> uh, the next segment. Well, we'll we'll get to it later. Uh, the next segment was the Undisputed Elite and comes out with the Young Bucks or whatever you call them. It was Adam Cole, Bebe, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and the Young Bucks. Uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish turn on the Young Bucks. Kind of saw it coming at the beginning of the segment. You did not. No. I kind of saw it coming at the beginning of the segment because it had been so long since Adam Cole had been out there. I guess he's been gone for like probably like five weeks or something. Since basically the uh, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. So, he says there's a trios tournament coming up. You guys aren't going to be able to fight because you won't be medically cleared or you won't be physically able. And then... Uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly turn on the Young Bucks. Hangman Page comes out to make the save. What did you think about this segment? If you were surprised by it, were you pleasantly surprised by it? Uh, pleasantly surprised, yeah, because um, the trio's title is something that I, I've always wanted to, to see actually happen, and now we're making steps to that point. From that point, yeah, I, it took me completely by surprise because the way – Adam Cole set it up was like, you know, you, you guys can't just uh, be a part of this trios tournament because you're just not physically able to do it. I'm like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, these motherfuckers standing here look pretty good to me. And next thing you know, it just turned on its head and flipped. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. So now, obviously, the big rumor is they weren't going to do the trios titles until Kenny Omega comes back, but Adam Page makes the save. So the Hung Bucks... Like uh, they have been called in the past, are probably going to be that team. As so Zach a- didn't make up the Hung Bucks. No, that's a really good name. No, that's for Hangman name. Page and the Young Bucks. I love the shit. I think it's absolutely Comedy Central. Um, so the Hung Bucks, the Hung Bucks, I think are going to be a team. I think the uh, Undisputed Elite are going to be a team, and I wouldn't be surprised to see those two teams be the final two and the trios tournament. However, you want to do it. So. Was Adam Cole lying about Kyle O'Reilly and not none being of, medical cleared? None of the 
and I'll call them still the undisputed elite or call them the undisputed era, whatever you want to call it. UE is none of them are medically queer to wrestle. All of them are still hurt in some form or fashion, and they're not ready to wrestle. Now, if they're not in this tournament, I was going to say the other team that I would like to see face the Hung Bucks is best friends. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of trios that could really make this. Are, w- would you be cool with the young with the Hung Bucks winning the trios tournament? For sure. I think I had a. I thought for sure that you wouldn't be cool with it, but I think I had a dream last night where I asked you about it, and you were like, "No, that would be." Un- I'm not going to do the J Bell impression, but you were like, "Go ahead." No, no, no. Too <laughs> no, much pressure. Too much pressure. Now. <laughs> uh, I I mentioned it though. Uh, I've been having really vivid dreams lately. Vice just showed up. I had a dream the other night, and I texted him the next day and apologized. That's how that's how real this this dream felt because I had to go work my lunch shift at a restaurant, and I told Bo we were supposed to play eighteen. And I was like, "You go ahead and tee off. I'll meet you up by hole four. And I got like quadruple sat. And then the iced tea wasn't made. And when I look up, Bo texts me. He's like, I'm on hole 13 when you get in here. And I was like, oh, oh sorry, shit. dude. I, woke, I totally forgot. <laughs> I woke up. It was that. It was like Reservoir Dogs line. He's like, you shoot me the dream, you better wake up and apologize. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> you leave me you leave me playing 18 by myself in the dream, you better wake up and apologize. Right. Anyway, I would be totally cool with the Hung Bucks being the initial trios champions. Also, I would love to see him fight the best friends. Love to see him fight Death Triangle. I mean, there. I mean, even even Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh would be a good. I think they will be in the tournament. I don't. I don't expect them to do damage. But the thing about AEW is that there's so many fucking factions that you could have tons of. And this is why I was always fucking saying House it of makes Black sense. with Buddy Matthews. Okay, he's been a wall for God knows how long. It's time to bring him back and bring him back for this tournament. It's a time where now, if. A four-hour, five-hour AEW pay-per-view doesn't seem that long if you put match after match after match where now you have some sort of emotional investment in it. I'll go back to Forbidden Door. I looked up. It was two hours in, and Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay were coming out. I'm like, damn, what time is it? It's 9 o'clock. Oh, shit. Two hours fly by if you can get invested into it. A lot of the times, WWE can't do it. AEW has done a, a much better job to it. And I think this trios title tournament will build to all in, and then you have a nice-ass trios tournament final. Not to jump ahead, but did you notice during the G1 match between Osprey and Finlay that Lance Archer was on, on guest commentary, and he said, maybe I'll win that uh, IWGP US title and bring it back to AEW and Kevin Kelly goes that's exactly what that company needs another belt (laughs) 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 it's like (laughs) Kevin Kelly Lance Archer Archer got a pretty good chuckle out of it too (laughs) Uh, next up Moxley cuts a terrific backstage promo if there's anybody that understands his character it is John Moxley I mean when he said I don't care who people ask okay. me who do you want to win Wheeler Yuta or Jericho? He goes, I don't care. He goes, that's not a stock answer. He goes, look at me. He goes, I don't, don't care. care. <laughs> Somebody about to get this work. <laughs> it was perfect. Um, next up, we're gonna skip past a little. We're gonna skip past that part. Uh, we're, the Jungle Boy almost pulls a Rikishi and tries to run over Christian Cage talking to Tony Schiavone backstage. You said pull a Rikishi. That's great. 
I mean, he came in there hot, though. He slammed on the brakes, and I was like, I wonder how much room he has. He did not have a whole lot of room. The mm. dude probably only got his driver's license like last year. He might still be a permit driver. I'd say whatever it was, he came in hot like a motherfucking shit. I'd say, man, look, you're supposed to at least slow down, take the foot off the gas, and then hit the brake. It's not gas, 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 brake. I almost just made a terrible joke about Need your dad to teach you how to drive, but I'm going to leave it there. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, dad. So, yeah, dad. So, Britt Baker, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter have a tag match against Thunder Rosa and help me. Wow. Dude, you, you get ready to Tony, make my point. Tori, Tori Storm. Tony Storm. You're Tony Storm. You get ready to make my point. Um, I watched this match. This was a good match. I'm not going to disagree with that. Jamie Hader got the pin, which I'm a fan of because I think that Jamie Hader is a little underused. Very underused. So I, I was a fan of this tag match. What point was I about to make for you? Tony Storm and Jamie Hader are like the two women in this match that I really wanted to focus on. Tony Storm as the number one contender being a tag partner with Thunder Rosa makes zero sense. Zero. Excalibur did a good job of telling that story on commentary, though. I get that. But if Justin Kayfabe's out, if you're Tony Storm, you're the number one contender, why are you tagging with this woman, number one? Number two, the bigger picture is with Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. I love them both, and I think they're very criminally underused at certain points. Jamie Hayter being the one that's been there longer that really hasn't had this push until now where you, it feels like you're getting ready to feed her to uh, Thunder Rosa on Saturday night. I don't want to – look, I get it. Thunder Rosa needs opponents, and you're gonna you gotta give her one. Jamie Hayter is a credible opponent. She's top four. Blah 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 blah. Look, man, Jamie Hayter is bigger than that. If you're not gonna use Jamie Hayter right, if you're not gonna use Tony Storm right, let them go to stardom. Go back to Japan. Yeah, I'm a fan. So yeah, naturally, this is where my fandom's gonna come in. Let them go back to stardom and get something out of that versus just hoarding the talent. Well, that is, I mean, that's a. That's a ridiculous take. I mean, they're never going to let Tony Storm go back to stardom. Tony Storm is a big time star. Jamie Hader, and she's not a big time star. She's a supporting role player in this Britt Baker, it's gonna, Tony oh, Thunder Rosa it thing. Can't, it can't happen immediately. It's gonna, not, they, they still have to work their way out of the Thunder Rosa. Tony Storm, I'll give you the pass for Jamie Hader. I'm not giving you. A okay, pass that's for. fine. That's fine. Okay, fair. Go ahead. As long as I get the pass on Tony Storm. Because yeah, Tony Storm is going to be the champ. Been there. She's going to be the next champ. She's beating Thunder Rosa. Yes. Okay. Uh, up next, we had Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara going to fight uh, at All Out, it looks like. Feels like it. Uh, the next segment I have is Hobbs versus Jobs because I didn't bother, write, <laughs> I didn't bother writing down that other guy's name. Here, here we are, though. It's another black guy. It's got to be Haas versus a black guy. That guy got the most out of his uh, – they announced his name, though. He, like, did a little pose. He, Damn right. He, he, you better get like, it in. He was like, Mom, I'm on TV. I'm sitting there, you know, on Twitter, like, this is, you know, powerhouse Haas versus Phil in the blank. I got to tw- tweet quick because this game, match is getting ready. Yeah, in. it was like 44 seconds. <laughs> it's a straight-up squad. The crowd really reacted to the Haas versus Starks interaction. I was a big fan of Hobbs getting the better of Starks. I was a fan of Starks, led, and the, the announcers did a good job of telling the story that Starks was too mad that he let the motion, he let his emotions get the best of him, and he couldn't get over on Hobbs. He probably could face him one-on-one straight up, but he was just too fired up. I liked it. It makes sense because 
Ricky Starks promo last week was basically getting ready to start on Powerhouse Hobbs and how he and Hobbs were like boys and they're going to start making this movement, blah, blah, blah. And then obviously Hobbs blindsides Ricky Starks. I didn't think that Ricky Starks had this big of a, a baby face appeal. I knew that I, fans liked him, but I just I just assumed that he would just be a heel. He feels like a heel character. This is this has some legs, at least through the powerhouse Hobbs portion of the program. Where they go from there, I'm not sure because now we're going to have like Ethan Page coming up here in a little bit. Maybe that might be somebody that you can cross paths with Ricky Starks with. But for the moment. I like how they're building this Ricky Stars powerhouse house feud. For sure. Uh, we had a Miro vignette, which was cool. We had a Darby Allen vignette, which was not cool. Uh, <laughs> do, you have, do, you, do you have thoughts on either of those, Jason? Miro is, is unfortunately one of those. It's good to see him, but it, the, the promo didn't really make sense. It's just very ambiguous. Is he going to join the Black? He's, oh, running, on, he's running in place. Is he joining the House of Black? Is he going to go against the House of Black? We'll see here in a little bit. Uh, Darby Allen versus uh, Brody King next week in a coffin match doesn't do much for me because I would assume that Darby Allen would win if you wanted to do something that would swerve me. Brody King wins, so that way you can build House of Black if it's not just Brody King but the House of Black in general. I just expect somehow Darby Allen to win this nonsense and move along. It's kind of like when... Get his win back because Brody King, Brody, Brody King whipped the shit out of him a couple weeks ago. Right, and it would be like the Undertaker moves in the coffin match. You just, it would be so just like, oh, what the fuck? Not saying that Darby Allen has had like 15 coffin matches or anything like that, but it, this feels like his gimmick match. If he's going to lose it, you need to have him lose it and mean something versus him just losing it. So... I'm not going to say it because I say it every week. Okay, I'll say it. Uh, <laughs> that stopped you when? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Darby, Darby Allen's yeah, yeah. in-ring work. Yeah. Why did he have – was that supposed to be a tattoo on his hand? I was thinking so because – I mean, because it, Excalibur said that's a tattoo on his hand, that he right. got tattooed on his hand. Yeah. He had the – like. So he had a sentence tattooed on his hand that said Brody King will go in the coffin next Wednesday or something? Hey, man. I mean, it was just like a sentence, and it looked like it was written by a third grader <laughs> on his hand. Okay. So who gets a tattoo on the palm of their hand? I, hope I don't know anybody. I hope he gets I, buried with that. I don't know anybody. In real life when he dies. <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he's at the ripe old age of 100. I'm just saying, I hope he still has yeah, that shit-ass tattoo. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I would be very surprised that that was a tattoo, real tattoo, number one. Two, if it was, it would be even harder to do it on your left hand when you're right-handed and be like, okay, you got to keep still. You got to keep still. <laughs> yeah, it's going to look jacked up. Well, there's tattoo artists that can draw it for you, though. Like, It's not necessarily his handwriting. It, we're, okay, you're dealing with too much logic now. We're, we're still talking about pro wrestling. We're still talking about Darby <laughs> Allen. <laughs> like, you ain't shit, man. Let that nigga live. Ugh. Let that man live. I told Tony Khan that Brody King needs to be in AEW, and that just eats you up, doesn't it? It's like, come on, dude. No, at least they're connecting the dots. Do I believe it? Yeah. It, does it make me want to see this match anymore? Not so much. All right. Well, here's a fresh matchup coming up next. We have Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. Uh, 
Christian Cage goes over in 10 minutes. These motherfuckers fought for 10 minutes. I'm uh, surprised they kept alive in 10 minutes. Shit, Matt Hardy going to that table. Ugh. They didn't. I, it wasn't 10 minutes on my iPad. It was about 30 <laughs> seconds because I was like, Ooh. I took that time and rewatched TLC 1. Um, <laughs> Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus uh, comes out. Jungle Boy attacks him from behind. Jungle Boy apparently bought a ticket, came out. K-Vape style, he bought a ticket, came out in the hood, beat up Christian Cage. And Christian Cage, well, and Christian Cage took off. And then Jungle Boy's music played. So if I buy a ticket and I decide to jump in the ring and start fucking fighting somebody, are they going to play Kicking the Door by Biggie Smalls <laughs> as the other guy runs off? No, you better be, you, you better bum, be having bum, a bum, hey. bum, <laughs> bum, Jason, bum. Jason, <laughs> call wifey. I'm getting arrested. <laughs> The only thing I, my biggest takeaway from this whole segment, and it has absolutely, well, it has one thing to do with what you said. It's one person, it's Luchasaurus. He's still coming out in the same heel gear that he had with Christian, which kind of makes me think that maybe he's not a baby face. Nah, I think that's just a new look. And they just stuck with the new look and they hope that people forget about it. Okay. For me, if you're going to be a heel, and you're going to flip heel, then you need to have the new look, the new music, the whole nine yards. Part of the Becky disconnect with me is that she had the same music, but she was big-time backs. That's not big-time backs. The man is the music that I hear when I hear that, oh, 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 oh. that's the music I hear and I associate it with the man. When big-time backs or in this scenario with whomever the case may be with Luchasaurus, he doesn't feel like a babyface. He still feels heelish, and he looks heelish. Black as fuck. Come on, man. Why is black heelish? Well, you asked me why the white hat is heel, or why it has a baby face. Why what's a baby face? The white hat, cowboy movies, silent movies, white hat, baby face, black hat, heel. Well, that comes from a, you know, a long time ago, that, you know, when the world was much more racist than they are now. <laughs> but, I mean... Now that race Barack Obama was president, now that, ra- <laughs> no, that don't mean shit. now that racism is dead, I can run. Oh wait, wait. So I can run in this neighborhood right now and not worry about being accosted. I'll tell you what. The funny thing about this neighborhood is that if you run around, you'll see some Black Lives Matter. I know. I know we're in St. Charles. You will see some Black Lives Matter signs. You will see some, even some black people. You bullshit. Not just white people. <laughs> not just white people that would have that would have voted for Obama a third time. <laughs> that would be me, sir. <laughs> Shout out to Get Out. Oh no, no. Never mind. Go ahead. Coming up next, we had Daniel Garcia uh, cuts a promo on. Brian Danielson calls himself the Dragon Slayer. I'm cool with this. I love it. I was a big fan of the match last week. <laughs> Daniel Garcia, it. I think that this kind of takes Daniel Garcia up a notch. They're making, that's a big win to tap out Brian Danielson no matter how you, how do, you it. do it. And that's what I was getting ready to say. The fact that now you're going to double down on it, and now he's cutting a promo on Daniel Bryanson, this is going to be an all-in match in some form or fashion. Now, how we get there, I don't necessarily care. But I want to see, especially when Danielson is like, you know, before Blackpool, Blackpool Combat Club was a thing, when him and Mox were in the ring, you know, we can, you know, mentor these young guys, you know, Lee Moriarty, uh, Daniel Garcia, 
you know, where were you to... Danny Garcia obviously was one of those names on this list, and to see Danny Garcia now be on the other side, have a win against him, and then you can build it up to where, you know, Danielson shouldn't come out until like two weeks before all-in happens, and then you can have him build that shit up. This is the best way you can use Brian Danielson to get Daniel Garcia over. He's over in a lot of places, especially if you watch a lot of indie wrestling, you know who Daniel Garcia is. But now for the national stage, this is the guy to have Daniel Garcia go over once. God forbid if they double down on it, shit. He's a made man. He's a made man. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to ask you. So Jungle Boy... Christian Cage. Is that going to happen at All Out? Is that what we're thinking? Probably not going to happen. Say that. When is All Out? Do you know? It's the weekend of Labor Day. So it's still a month away. Give or take. Yeah. So after this, we had Pack Highlights. Uh, he defended, he successfully defended the All Atlantic Championship at Rev Pro. If this is the point of the All Atlantic belt, is to have AEW represent it overseas. By somebody that's in AEW just to keep AEW's name in other places, like you would see, like it was an indie promotion, then I think that it's actually a really smart business move by Tony Khan, and it's something that we really didn't even consider when the All Atlantic Championship was announced. No, actually, I'll give two beer credit because that was part of the reason why he picked Pac to win the All Atlantic Championship is because <laughs> because. He, the opportunity of doing overseas matches like this would be the benefit of it. Now, the problem with this is that Connor Mills is somebody that I know and I recognize. So when I'm watching AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, I'm like, oh, man, how did I not know this? Why are you not telling me this? There, I think, is the problem with just promoting this all-lang championship. We know Pac's the champion, but if he's going to wrestle – and you're a Pac fan, you probably want to watch that match. I want to watch that match. The fact that I'm seeing highlights after the fact kind of bugs me a little bit. We we did a really good job the first time around when Pac wrestled, uh, shit, who was it? Shota Umino on uh, AEW Dark. It was like two or three weeks ago. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I want to see this shit. I want to see him against Connor Mills. I don't think Connor Mills is going to win, but I want to see the match. Mm. This is how you drum up interest in Pac, the title, AEW Dark, Dark Elevation, or whatever. They just didn't do a good enough job to say, hey, this match is going to be on Dark, and you need to go watch it. Fair enough. Uh, agreed. Uh, Ethan Page comes out and cuts an Ethan Page promo. It seems like Ethan Page's gimmick is – that he bitches a lot about not being on TV enough because that's all he fucking talks about. Uh, he comes out, cuts a promo about how people... Well, nobody buys my shirts. It's like, hey, well, A, you're not on TV. B, you're a buster. Um, and then uh, Stokely, <laughs> Stokely Hathaway, I just... I don't really get the Ethan Page thing. I've said it before. Stoke, I do get the Stokely Hathaway thing, though, and Stokely Hathaway comes up behind him, sneaks up behind him, Talks to him a little bit off mic, hands him his business card, which he had done to Lee Moriarty before, and Ethan Page walks out with him, walks up the ramp with him. 
Looks like we're going to get a Stokely Hathaway stable, which I am here for. This is the type of stable that they don't have in AEW. Of all the factions and all the stables they have, they don't have one that is just connected by a manager, and that's the only connection. And that, to me, is cool. I'll take it one step further. This is the only faction that would arguably have the the head of the faction, the face of the faction, as a woman. Jade is the star of this Stokely Hathaway stable faction, whatever you want to call them. Okay. Jade is number one. We Moriarty, Ethan Page, you know, to me it's Page two. We Lee Moriarty three. Doesn't matter. The fact that we have this stable to me makes it interesting. The fact that Stokely Hathaway is going out of his way to grab these individuals that haven't been able to latch on someplace else into his stable is interesting. Now, if you can build it, elevate it to where now they're that big stable, see Bobby the Brain Heenan, WWE, shit like that, I'm all for it. I'm interested to see where it goes because Ethan Page is another guy that I had high hopes for when he came to AEW, and it, it hasn't been what I thought it would be. It'll happen. Okay. And then finally, we have the acclaim, or not finally, no. we got two more matches. We yes. have the acclaim. I mean, I just think about this as the main event. Though. I mean, <laughs> no, it uh, was not. The acclaimed versus Gun Club in a dumpster match. The acclaim go over uh, in, go about, in about five minutes. Oh, night, 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 night. I'm talking to Bo. Uh, night, night. <laughs> No, I'm talking. Say, you ain't talking poor bad out here. Talking to Edna, Edna Kingston. <laughs> uh, the acclaimed beat the Gun Club in the dun- dumpster match. They whatever dumped the dumpster over. Whatever. Whatever. New Age Outlaws versus Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. Go back, Google it. That match was better than this match. You don't say. I do say. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> New Age Outlaws versus Terry Funk and Mick Foley. Hey, you're welcome, or, everybody. Or Billy Gunn's fucking... The I'm, fact that Billy Gunn was out there, at least... Kids with extra chromosomes versus the acclaimed. Look, it, it at least connects the dots. From that point, see, I had zero interest in this. The acclaimed as a babyface team Listen. is what I want to see Listen. Look, people I mean, the crowd, for it. The crowd, uh, the crowd likes him. I mean, he he had a cheap line about Vince McMahon that wasn't even like he's like, "I'll make you retire like Vince McMahon," and people go, "Oh, it's like they're just reacting because he said Vince, Vince McMahon, McMahon on AEW television." Pretty much. Uh, last up, we had Wheeler Yuta versus Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho goes over. The winner is going to fight John Moxley next week for the interim AEW title belt. I gotta admit, when I, this match was announced. I thought that Yuta was going to go over. I thought that would be way more interesting to have Yuta go over and then just have Moxley destroy another guy from Blackpool Combat Club. Hey, you can make have that. Have you not watched Pro Wrestling before? <sighs> oh my, that is, now that's insulting. <laughs> Did you not see this coming? No, there was something earlier that you didn't see coming, and I didn't make you feel like an asshole for it. Bucks Can't. jumping, uh, Bucks getting jumped by uh, Undisputed Elite. Yes. Yeah. I didn't make you feel like an asshole for you it. You could have. You really could have. I wouldn't do that, though. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> I'll just say this. I like the fact that 
the ending had the lion tamer finisher with the uh, the knee on the the neck. Regal called it too. They called it the balls of Jericho, and Regal goes, "That's no, a lion tamer. tamer. That's a lion tamer. That's and, the one that actually hurts." And that's <laughs> the 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 preview of what hopefully should happen next week, where you have an intense Chris Jericho, an intense John Moxley for the AEW interim championship, and you can go from there. Where well, you didn't look bad. I just think this was just another chance for those who didn't know who Wheeler Yuta was before John Moxley. Here's a chance to get you, you know, introduced to Wheeler Yuta. It's a big deal just by virtue of him being in the match. For sure. And the stakes enough now make it interesting to where you have to see if Wheeler Yuta can pull it off. He had the seatbelt, you know, pin going, and then, you know, obviously Jericho flipped it, puts the Lion Tamer on, you know, he taps out, perfect. They cut promos after it. I'm interested to see this match. I'm pretty sure Moxley retains because you just can't. I would be, I would be really surprised if Moxley, Moxley loses. Retains. I Have you ever surpri- watched pro wrestling? Once or twice. I'd be surprised if Moxley loses before CM Punk comes back. I'll go that far. Completely agree. Um, I wish that it wasn't Jericho versus Moxley, though. I feel like we've seen it enough times. They made it make sense. Chris Jericho never got his rematch from losing to Moxley the first time. All right. Let's get to that three counts. One, two, three. JCB, what's the three count? We're going to do a little G1 recap, nights 8, 9, and 10. We're going to start off with uh, David Finley, who is slowly but surely starting to become the star of the tournament. We'll talk about him a couple of times here, but the first time we're going to talk about him against Shingo. Uh, David Finley beat Juice to come into this, and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, Shingo should easily take over David Finley. No big deal. Not so fast, my friend. David Finley upsets Shingo and probably one of the upsets of the tournament, if not the upset of the tournament. Shingo loses to David Finley in night eight to open it, uh, open it up. From that point, we have Jonah beating Tom Lawler. You were kind of talked about Tom Lawler being a... He's kind of being presented as a comedy act, yes. I'll, uh, like I said, I'll push back on that a little bit just for the fact that he has been the New Japan Strong Champion for the better part of the year. He just coughed it up recently to uh, Fred Rosser. He wears Daisy Dukes, (laughs) and he tears off his Daisy Dukes in the middle of the match to reveal shorter Daisy Dukes. And he can break your arm at any given point. No, I mean, no shit. Uh, Apparently, he's a big MMA guy also. Yeah, he used to do uh, UFC. He's a badass. He used to do UFC. No doubt. He also has a very good sense of humor. Tom Lawler is pretty fucking funny, no question about it. Uh, I like the fact that he was on uh, commentary at night eight. I'm sorry, night nine, but neither here nor there. ELP, Tom Lawler, and Lance Archer in uh, guest commentary for the next three Who, who did the best out of those three? Um, if you wanted to be entertained, ELP, if you wanted to hear some breakdown of what is really going on, I think Tom Lawler and... Lance Archer was probably somewhere in the middle. Lance Archer just marked out. Yeah, and I'm not – look, I ain't mad at him. Shit, a couple of times, you know, for the main event – Totally agree. For the main event, night 10. We'll get to it. Yeah, Yeah. just mark the fuck out. Um, Sonata versus uh, Great O'Kine. 
Great O'Connor had a lot more high hopes for him coming in. He loses to Sonata after Sonata misses the, uh, the moonsault, which is usually the beginning of the end. If you listen to this podcast, that's usually the mark of Sonata losing, but he ends up getting the O'Connor role to uh, beat the Great O'Connor all hell. And then the main event in night eight was Tanahashi versus ZSJ. I will keep saying it until the day I die. When Tanahashi has bad knees and you're the submission master, I don't know why you're going for the arms. The arms sound good, especially if you tore one arm up. But if the man can't walk, why is the man going to be able to wrestle? Tanahashi pulls this one out, beating ZSJ and Naido. As far as I'm concerned, he's a marked man in uh, the block C. Please, go ahead. I'll start with the main event. Um, I had a physical reaction. Didn't know that I wanted ZSJ to win as bad as I wanted him to. When he got pinned, I was pissed. Um, What was really remarkable about this match was the interaction, the interplay between the two after the pin because ZSJ didn't really heal it up. Now, I understand that he healed it up in the post-match promo, but at the time, he was kind of laughing. He was like, seriously? He's like, because the pin that he had before... Also looked like it was three. The fact that when the pin happened and I saw it, I'm like, was was Zach's arm underneath the rope? And it never really came up until after the fact. And I watched the post uh, backstage uh, comments, and ZSJ just goes ballistic. Also, I want to say that ELP's fake translation of Tanahashi's (laughs) promo afterwards where he said, Yes, he's like, yes, I can beat everybody, especially if I cheat. It, it, ELP was definitely the most entertaining out of the three commentators because he healed it up the most. He For was, sure. He was really good. He, he he played into his character. Yeah, he reminded me of Jerry the King Lawler. Like, I thought that he, he was, was a heel commentator. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't on the level of Bobby the Brain Heenan, but no, he, was just, he was just subtle enough to be, he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I thought he was really funny. This was a great night of wrestling. That match fucking ruled. Uh, Kevin Kelly even brought up the match that they had had a few G1s ago where nobody touched the ropes throughout the entire match. I I saw this match, and I still – now i got to go back and watch it because I'm like, nobody touched the ropes. That seems weird It seems weird. But you know what else seems weird is that match between Ibushi and Taichi where all they did was – It was all kicks the entire time, which I fucking loved. It was like 18 minutes, and it was all kicks. It It was fucking badass. guys down. Uh, Sonata, Great Okan. I'm not the biggest fan of either of these guys. I was surprised to see Sonata go over because I thought that the company was way more behind Great Okan. I did not see him going 0-2. I would have put a lot of money on Great Okan winning this ELP was also funny during this match, talking about how the Mongolian chop should be illegal. <laughs> it was very, very, very good. Um, Lawler versus Jonah. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, Lawler versus Jonah. Yep. This was a decisive victory by Jonah. Not what I expected. As I said, Lawler being presented as a comedy act and we're going to get to a spectacular comedy match that came up a little bit later that Jason will probably hate. Uh, Finley versus Shingo. <laughs> Finley versus Shingo. I wasn't as surprised as you thought I was. Maybe, maybe I'm. Maybe Finley's just such a great promo that I bought into him saying after he beat Juice Robinson that this was his year. But when he beat Shingo, I was like, 
fuck yeah. I was like, there we go. Yeah. And I, I, I love Shingo. I'm a Shingo Mark. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'll just say this. With Tanahashi rolling up, Naito, and then before that, uh, Shingo barely escaping Yoshihashi, this just felt like it was kind of more of the same. I'm not mad about that, but it just felt like guys were escaping or just barely losing. In this case, Shingo barely loses to David Finley. I want him to beat Juice Robinson because that makes sense. Finn Juice, you should beat your former uh, tag team partner. Okay, fair and, enough. And we have some Juice stuff coming up later too. And then now you you have Shingo, who was former IWGP champion, current KOW, KO. PW champion, which neither here nor there. He's still a champion, so now you beat him in this scenario. A little peek behind the curtain. This is the second time we've had to talk about this because technical difficulties, and both times Jason fucked fucked up KOPW. It doesn't matter to me. It's (laughs) 24-7. I'm not supposed to know it. Uh, (laughs) But in, in either event, the fact that David Finley has won these matches is now a peek to what's going to happen towards night 10. All right. What about night nine? Night nine, we open up with Jeff Cobb versus Lance Archer, big meaty men slapping meat. Jeff Cobb wins sled meaty men slapping meat. Uh, Didn't really get Lance Archer over for the uh, tour of the islands, but he got it done. He wins the opening match. Oh, no, he got it. He get that was a tour of the islands, dude. He, I mean, Lance Archer's a big guy to be okay. doing tour of the island too, okay. and he did it about as well, well as, as you possibly could for two sixty, two seventy. Yeah. It was like a B plus tour of the islands, though. I gave it a B minus. That's just me. I, 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 look, I well, see now the, we're really picking this. <laughs> I see them throw too many guys around. I'm okay. sorry. All right, Juice Robinson versus Yoshihashi. Uh, Yoshihashi steals the win over Juice Fuck. Robinson. Yes. Um, I thought Juice Robinson is going to be one of those guys, especially in the D block, that's going to challenge Will Ospreay. Apparently, that's not going to happen. Juice Robinson is now down to two points, where Yoshiashi goes up to two points. Chase versus Jay White, to me, was the interesting point of night nine coming up to this point. Um, Chase and Jay White, obviously, both Bullet Club guys, so... There was going to be a payoff to happen to Chase, so that way he just lays down and Jay White gets the win. So the only – I'll cut you off here before you stop. The only uh, – It's not I'll like talk, we haven't done this. I'll talk, I'll talk about the other matches before uh, – the other matches – well, let's just go over the other ones. Uh, so I liked Cobb versus Lance Archer about as well as I can like a big man versus big man match. It it was fun. It was not asking a lot. It's just two guys just beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, and Fantastic. it was about twelve minutes. It didn't overstay its welcome. It was great. Yoshihashi beating Juice, fucking ruled. I am quickly becoming radicalized to thinking that like Godo and Yoshihashi are like my dudes in the G one now, and I know that I was. Remember last oh, year? Oh, oh, yeah. Last year, their match was like my favorite match. Of, okay, I thought she was going to talk about this year where you was running down Goto as not even being a contender for this shit, but that's okay. Not cool by me. No, <laughs> it wasn't cool by me. I'm allowed to change. I'm allowed to change my mind. <laughs> okay, but, fair enough. Uh, Yoshihashi and Goto are both just tried and true hands. Like, really. You stole like, my word. I was going to say they're they, really good hands. They really are. They can just make anybody look good, and they should be allowed to go over at any time, which both of them have 
don't know. I was well, like, Goto, yeah, I'll well, give you. Look, if Yoshihashi beats Naido, there's going to be a serious problem on this the podcast. The story of Juice for the tournament, though, is that Juice is just angry. <laughs> like, he like is a, pissed off. <laughs> he is a pissed off dude, and it has cost him a couple matches thus far. He's one and two so far, right? Yes. Um, Juice, because I know you don't watch the the uh, the pre-matches or whatever before the G1. I don't know. This is the reason why I like watching these pre-matches. Juice and Jay White have a really good chemistry where Jay White like will chop somebody and Juice says stupid in Spanish or not Spanish but uh Japanese. So it's like, you know, back forth, back forth or he you know, he misses somebody and Juice is like, you know, stupid in uh Japanese and it's the same thing. They are so both annoyingly bad they make a really good heel tag team not saying i want jay white to be a tag team guy by any stretch of the imagination but if you wanted to do it those are two guys that i think you can put together and have a really annoying ass heel tag team for bullet club so i would love to see yoshihashi go over naito i'd like that would really that would really tickle my fancy Look, man. as a as a wrestling Look, man Look, uh going get, into not even same going into white Owens. I thought you just said that you didn't want Yoshihashi. Oh, you didn't want Goto to go over. Na- Wait, didn't you just say you didn't want Yoshihashi? If Yoshihashi beats Naido at any given point, Ooh. there's going to be a problem now we're on talking. this podcast. God, okay, was, was let's great. just be, let's be perfectly clear on that. Okay, uh, so where I stopped you was Jay White versus Chase Owens. Very fun <laughs> match. It reminded me of and. I, I don't know. As long as we've been watching the G, the G one, the, the J one, the J one. As long as we've been watching it, the only time I can remember a match like this was when it was supposed to be Jay White over Yujiro, and it was the same thing. Like he was like, "You lay down for me, I'll pay you money." Now this time, Chase Owens pulled out the money, and it was all right. construction paper, except for a couple hundred. I was going to say top. this one was more of a story where. Chase was like, okay, motherfucker, how you ain't going to pay me my money? How you ain't going to pay me my money? But Chase Owens, even in this one, took the finger poke of doom, went down, and then kicked out. Now, which, it's, now it's on. Which is really funny. Now it's on. <laughs> now, that, that's the kind of wrestling my grandpa was like. Okay. My grandpa would think that was funny as shit. No, and it is this is not how shit. we're going to end this shit, okay? The finger poke of doom is a great callback because it's one of those bad parts of wrestling that nobody it, likes to talk about. But it's about. a Jay White thing totally. against another Bullet Club guy. He's this like, is what hey, I expect you to do. Lay down for me, please. Okay. Lay down. Even if I'm shorting you $800. <laughs> and then Jay White ends up going over. This was tremendous entertainment. This is Chef's this, kiss. It's, Chef's it's, kiss. It's a perfect comedy match between two guys that are usually serious, but in the context of the tournament, the comedy part made sense, and this is why the G1 actually fucking rules. Connect the dots, to especially where, like you said, when you There's have There's so many stories you can tell. Bull Club versus Bull Club, where yeah. Jay White has forced Chase Owens to make this decision right. against, you know, the core four or whatever. So now, fast forward to the G1, you know, this is Chase Owens' only chance, probably his only chance to ever sniff the championship and all he has to do is beat his boy i'll tell you what he could sniff the championship a little bit more every year if he stopped if he stopped sniffing the buffet every single year dude is got some fucking love handles right you feel me 
You yeah. feel me? He's a little chubby. He's a little chubby. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go on. Go on, man. Listen, I'm the <laughs> chubbiest guy. Home, I'm the chubbiest guy sitting right here. I can make fun of chubby people. He's chubby. Be that man alone. All right. Okada versus Bad Luck Fale. Uh, Bad Luck Fale has a record of uh, against two Okada, Okada two and one in the G1. Okada ends up going over. Bad Luck Fale taps out. Very quickly to the, to money, the money clip, clip, which is the first time that's ever happened. I, I was getting ready to say, has <laughs> no. anybody tapped out to the money clip? Yes, people have tapped out to the money clip that, that quickly. No, but Tom Waller did a great job explaining to sell it. why. God bless you because he does because he has because his shoulders are so big it probably hurts you. more. God bless you. You know, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I mean, kayfabe style. He K-fabe was trying. He was trying to explain it. And look, God bless Tom Waller. Like I said. Entertaining ELP, most technical, Tom Waller, somewhere in the middle, Lance Archer. <laughs> it, it was funny. And then finally, Evil against Naito. And I know that you love Woo! this. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you go. I love you. Know, I, I know you love uh, Naito going over Evil. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me why you loved it so much. Well, first and foremost, this is why Joey was like, you know, uh, you haven't watched SummerSlam? No. I want to watch G1 first. If Naito doesn't beat Evil, I don't give a rat's ass about SummerSlam. But Joey doesn't point. watch a G one at all. No, no, hell no, because he doesn't. He doesn't get it. I don't expect him to get it. It's way work early for in the morning for for most people. I understand that. I mean, I don't watch it in the morning. No, but I mean, sometimes I get up at six or seven because I, you know, I watch, just can't sleep. I watch seven G one matches today. It's easy. Just do it while you're working. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. You wanted your steak. Oh shit! Nido's going off the top. Medium I'm not rare. Saying you can do it. <laughs> Come on, I can. Can we get some TVs over here so I can not move towards the t- the kitchen, please? It's thank white you. privilege. Ah, thank Sorry, you. bro. Sorry. Okay. Missed it. All that being said, obviously this is a. I didn't think it existed after Barack Obama got elected president. <laughs> Still don't matter. They trying to kill us for taking fucking jogs. Um, Nigel, obviously, in a must-win scenario versus evil. Stop running the, so fast. Shit, look, he, he, we're jogging, <laughs> man. Damn. You act like the police is behind us and shit. Evil being the uh, the Benedict Arnold of LIJ facing Naido. So th- there's a lot to go with this. House of Torture is probably somewhere behind it. Not even somewhere. They're at ringside with Dick Togo. For me... I was very hesitant to think that Naito was going to win. I was hopeful. He ends up taking this bad boy and now stays alive in the tournament, beating Evil, which is, like I said, the Benedict Arnold of LIJ. Not the best match in the world. The The pile driver on the table. That was a spot, dude. And I saw it setting up. I'm like. That was a spot. Are they getting ready to really do this? And I was like, oh. And then they kind of like, you know, gaffed it a little bit before it happened. I'm like, okay, we can just scratch this at any point. And this is me yeah. saying this about the Benedict Arno with the LIJ. I'm like, you can go ahead and scratch Don't this. Don't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and they went through it. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. That was, no. an inc- that was an incredible spot. That was the spot of the match by far. Easily. You saying that you didn't think that Naido was going to win or that you were skeptical he was going to win. There was Barry. no way Naido was going to go 0-3. No way he was going to go on three. With Evil as the opponent and the way LIJ is booked where they don't interfere and House of Torture always interferes, yeah, I'm very skeptical. The reason this fucks me up is that I picked Evil to win that block. Yeah. And now it doesn't look like Evil's winning that block. Evil, Naido, a lot of guys are going to have to – 
well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it just yet. I'll just say that a lot of guys in the C block will have to get help from Goto, who is leading the block, and we can move to night 10 from there. All right, night 10, what's up? Night 10 will go with the starter, uh, the curtain jerker match, Ishii versus Great Okan, all hail. Great Okan coming into this match, 0-2, Ishii at 1-2. So basically this is, for me, a must-win scenario for both guys, especially when you have six matches to run the table or to, to make shit happen. Great Okan gets on the board, finally, Beating uh, Ishii. I thought that Ishii was going to win this, especially when Great Okan fucked up the uh, the sheep herder uh, submission. But Great Okan ends up winning it. Yano versus Tom Waller. Tom Waller, unfortunately, is kind of being pigeonholed in the, I guess, Bill Vagy scenario where he's a comedy guy. I can see this more and more, especially in this match. Thank God that Yano does end up losing this match. Tom Waller gets on the board, so we got two guys with the first two points of the T1 with Great Okan and Tom Waller. Tomatonga versus Sonata next. This, to me, was a coin flip match, especially when you have... Right guy went over. I'm not going to say that. Um, I wanted Tomatonga to go over, especially with Tomatonga and... Did. Oh, I circled the wrong guy. Tomatonga did go over. Um over Sonata in the B block. Tom I thought Tom, I was saying right guy went over with Sonata. I circled the wrong motherfucker, man. Damn. This, hey, you know what happens when you pick Sonata to win? Sonata, good pick. <laughs> Tomatonga wins, setting up a possible B block finale with Tomatonga and Jay White at the end. Kenta coming into this bad boy winless versus Goto in the C block. C block being Goto leading the C block. Kenta being pointless. Kenta stealing wins over this. This is, to me, more about the stick of Goto slash Yoshihashi versus anything else, neither here nor there. And then in one of the better tournament matches that I've seen so far in the main event of night 10, you had David Finley coming down with the U.S. title, waving it in Will Ospreay's face, and Will Ospreay comes down in 15 minutes. They've had – it's 30-minute time limit, and they did this in 15 minutes, and it's one of the best matches of the tournament. David Finley continues his hot streak and upsets Will Ospreay in the main event in night 10 on the block. Start wherever you want to start. Great O'Conn versus Ishii was Great O'Conn all hell. Was fine. I love Ishii. Like Jason says, Ishii versus everybody. I wish Ishii would have won this. Ishii is essentially the first guy eliminated from the G1 in this, I believe, because he's the only guy with three losses. Okay, yep, yep. Lawler versus Yano. This match was fucking hilarious. Uh, Yano comes out. Trying to give away, give to, he try, he's got his DVD of his new best of DVD Yano, and Tom Lawler gets handed to his by his friend. What's his friend? Royce Isaacs. Royce Isaacs hands him a DVD copy of Sister Act, and then hands him a copy of Sister Act Two, and then Tom Lawler looks in the screen and says, "It was number one at the box office in America for three weeks in 1993." And trades Yano those two DVDs for Yano's DVD, which hasn't been released yet. And Tom Lawler opens it up. It's empty. empty. 
Then they start. Then, then he rips off his pants to reveal shorter Daisy Dukes. Then they have a fight. When Yano tries to go to win this match, he gives him a yo low blow, to which Lawler doesn't react, and Yano acts like his hand is hurt. He goes for a second low blow, acts like his hand is hurt. Lawler pins him. Lawler at the end pulls out a cup. He was wearing a cup the whole time. Okay, so I mean, see everybody. That's just smart wrestling. Okay, so see everybody. Let's look at Tom Lawler and let's take that blueprint and move along. Are we saying he's not a comedy wrestler? I mean, that's a com. I mean, everybody has a comedy match against Yano. He is. He. Okada didn't have a comedy match against Yano, but that's neither here nor there. But that's it's a lot of respect for Okada. There's a big difference between Okada and Lawler. Okay, I'll go this far just to stick to the subject. I would give more credit to Tom Lawler because that, to me, shows his versatility. He can be funny if he needs to be funny. He can be serious if he needs to be serious. Oh, also, he was wearing a wig that, that Yana pulled, pulled off. off. Yes. And and uh, Lance Archer goes, that's why it looks so funny. <laughs> uh, Tom goes over Sonata. I don't remember this match at all because it was a Sonata match, and he is the most boring wrestler in this entire thing. There's no arguing with that. There's nobody more boring in this entire thing than Sonata. Fale is more boring than Sonata. Wrong. I I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Sonata matches are boring. Okay, so Fale's like five moves of doom or what? Yeah, but at least at least if Fale wins, at least if he sneaks up on somebody and takes a win, he's sneaking it's ex- up on nobody. Man. Okay, but it's exciting, or it's like it's at least an upset. If Sonata beats anybody, it's not Fale even an upset. Beating, Fale beating anybody shouldn't really be an upset over unless it's Okada. Outside of that, he's he's the biggest guy in the freaking tournament. I'm not gonna argue Sonata with you ever again. This is it. This is the moratorium on it. I'm not going to argue with it. He's so fucking boring, and anybody that disagrees with me has their own opinion, and I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was going somewhere else with it, didn't you? <laughs> I was waiting for the you know, little, you know, the period behind that, but you, you did well. No, I, I mean, I respect anybody that likes that boring piece of shit. <laughs> fucking blonde Japanese <laughs> Abe Lincoln is. motherfucking beard. Fuck him. Grow a mustache, you fucking idiot. Uh, then we have uh, Kenta versus Godo. This is another one where I had... I, I really wanted Godo to win because I knew that Godo was ahead in the block and I wanted Godo to stay ahead in the block and I did not like Kenta winning. Great match, though. Great match. Godo, Godo, Godo is having... Goto is having a hell of a G1. It's not like it's a surprise, though. No, it's it's not, but he is having a hell of a G1. And He's leading the block, and that's I think that's the, the surprise, quote-unquote. I am all of a sudden I'm a Goto mark. Yeah, because he's, yeah, he's beating my boy. That's all it is. No, that's not, that's not what it was. All, that's not all, all it was. this is is that you want to see me squirm for the next two or three I'll weeks. I'll say to you what you said to me earlier. It's not all about, about you, you, player. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And that was off mic. <laughs> Stuck with me, didn't it? And then we have, <laughs> then we had uh, Tom Petty over here. <laughs> you can wait for that shit. I'm gonna wait for this. Oh man, I was like, <laughs> please, like, God, he's please, gonna, God. he's gonna set me up sooner or later. <laughs> I'm gonna kill him God. with it. Uh, and then we had David Finley versus Will Ospreay, which for me was the match of the tournament thus far. And as Jason said. What kind of made it the match of the tournament it was Lance Archer doing the commentary with Kevin Kelly, and Lance Archer was marking the fuck 
out. He was like, oh, there we go. And he was like actively rooting for Finley. He was like, fuck him up, Dave. Fuck him up, Dave. <laughs> but this match. I want to tie the shot after This you match had so many. And it wasn't long. I think it was like 15 six, minutes. That's all it was? It was 15 it was like minutes? 15, 16. They made the 15-minute call, and then the, the match ended subsequently thereafter. It was so much fun, and David Finley getting a clean pin in the middle and then cutting a promo in the middle of the ring saying, this, this is my year. No, first, he was like, here's your title he back. Beat, he beat Juice, Shingo, Shingo and, and Will Ospreay. Ospreay all so in who, a row. who's he have left? That I don't know. I was going to say... <laughs> We, I, I, I gotta find it right now. Okay, so let's just say he's he's had one, two, three. He's got four matches underneath his belt, so he's got two matches left. At best, he's he got can three. Be, ma- only three matches, right? No, I thought he lost his first match. He hasn't lost. He hasn't lost. No. Right. Hold on. Let me check it. Vamp. Vamp. Um. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, right now he's at six points. If he runs the table, let's say Bill is right, he hasn't lost, that's 12 points. I think that's probably one one win too many. Let's keep it at 10 because now he's in the same block with Will Ospreay, obviously, who's, who was the preeminent favorite. Between he's, got, all, he's got six points. Has, how many matches has he wrestled? That, that's Three. The, okay, so he's basically running the table. He's got six. Ospreay's got four. ELP's got two. If I had told you, got two. Takahashi's got two. Yoshihashi's got two. Juices has two. So Finley is the. I mean, he's got tiebreakers too. So all he has left is ELP, Takahashi, and Yoshihashi. Okay, so Yoshihashi, we already talked about. I expect that to be a little bit of a struggle. Dare I say, he drops the shit that New Japan is always good for. At the end of the tournament, you drop the tur- tournament match that you're supposed to lose or supposed to win in this scenario. Um, ELP and Takahashi, um, I can see him beating Takahashi. I can see him losing the ELP. So sure. At yes. most, he gets 10 points. So now Will Ospreay would have to run the table, and David Finley would have to lose twice Yes, to for Will Ospreay to win the D block. That's exactly right. And that is your G1 recap from the Band from Ringside podcast. This is Band from Ringside. Oh, I forgot. Let's do this. One, two, three. That was our three count. Uh, Now for a little odds and ends. You ready to go, Jason? (laughs) Yeah, please. All right, so Ric Flair had his last match. Jason... Watched the entire card. I heard the Josh Alexander match was really good. Yeah, the, uh, him and Jacob Fatu had a, a, probably arguably the best match of the night. It ended up uh, stopped in fuckery where uh, Brian Myers and Matt Cardona jumped both guys to uh, basically make it a no, no contest. Just, you know, star for me personally. Mike Cardona seems to be back, so that might be a hope for the NWA card 74 that comes here at the end of the month. Um, any other, any Anything else on the undercard that you'd like to discuss before we get into really. the main event? Um, I the Wolves versus the, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns I thought was a match of the night. It's cool to see Davey Richards and uh, Eddie, or- Eddie Edwards back together as a tag team. Well, those versus- are those are four fucking workers. And it was, the, it was the opening match, and 
Gaga of Joey. <laughs> just like that's Eddie Edwards. He wants to be the first or the last. He's so up. it's it's funny to see you know the uh, the promoter side behind uh, Joey and watching. Uh, well, Joey's on the inside now. Yeah, very much so. You know, it's, it's good. It's good. Pretty to have cool, him actually. <laughs> it's funny to, to hear him say that shit because maybe you and I can get a tag match. Who we, who are we, we tagging cause, against? Because we know Joey. Who are we tagging against, man? Some Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, they get, oh, we, they're getting ready to get that work. <laughs> they're getting ready to get trios titles coming up in the AEW. Uh, okay, I'm now. sure. I mean, I know a guy. Yeah, right. You know um, Joey? Just a little bit. You met him? I yeah, just I was I happened to be at his house Vice, on Sunday you know night. Joey? I've heard of him. Oh, yeah. So let's just talk about the Rick Flores match. Stokely at the wish. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you just got me high. As the the Rick Flair guy in the group, I had a lot of trepidation coming into this, and this match did nothing to soothe said trepidation. Wait a minute, hold on. Are you more of a Rick Flair guy than me? I think he's the greatest wrestler that I've ever seen. Period. Yes, he's my number one over every. Body. But I think that's what everybody thinks. No. I've seen him against Steamboat. I've seen him against Terry Funk. I've seen him come into WWE. I just I've thought been, that everybody thought that Ric Flair was. No, he is my number one wrestler. I don't know if he's my favorite. Time. I don't know if he's my favorite, but I think that he's the best. He's my favorite, okay. and he's not number one. Okay, fair enough. He's on my Mount Rushmore. Is Vice, he on yours? Vice where you, yes. Okay. Yeah. Not not listen. It like personal or just if I had to name it objectively, like I'm who t- were the four best? Yes, it's Flair and Austin. There's a couple more guys. Make it your personal route, Mount Rushmore. Well, oh. then it's Kurt Angle, Stephen okay. Richards, uh, the oh, Good Jesus Father, and uh, and the, Bill right Buchanan. To, right to censor's got three of right the four. Right to censor, yeah, it's just right to censor, dude. <laughs> and Ric Flair, yeah, <laughs> no, and Kurt Angle. Vice, <laughs> what's your uh, uh, Mount Rushmore right now of of current guys, all time guys, whatever you want to call it. Mount Rushmore, go. Angle, Flair, Stone Cold, and uh, Shawn Michaels. Okay, that's pretty solid. No, no problem <laughs> with that. Pretty solid. Flair is on everybody's Mount Rushmore. I'm I would assume that Two Beer would feel the same to see this match unfold and watch him struggle struggle to the point where I'm like, is he alive at the end? When they're trying to pass him the brass knuckles. It was and it was he terrible. Couldn't even, he couldn't even handle I just I just watched it today for the first time. Dude. And I didn't want to watch the full thirty minutes because I was watching G one and I, I don't want I don't want to give that much time to this because it is carny in the Bullshit. I mean, it, it is legends stuff. As much as you love Ric Flair, it was WWE it, to the ultimate dis- extreme. Oh, it was points. it was worse than that. It was it was carny. It was really bad. And when Andrade is trying to put the brass knuckles on Ric Flair, and he can't even make a fist. And don't tell me that was him selling either. No, that was not him no. selling. That Hell was an no. old man. At that was that had, that had been bleeding for 15 minutes. By the way, I w- I just want to own this. I was completely wrong about this because I said, "Oh, he's going to have a last match. He'll take a couple back bumps. He's going to know where the line is. He's nope. going to be able to stop. He's nope. 73 years old. He's as professional as professional come." I was completely wrong. This was a 27-minute match 
that Ric Flair had way too much to do in and was almost dead the last 10 minutes. And I've listened to a couple podcasts this week of people that have said they're trying to make themselves sound better because they're like, you know what? It wasn't that bad. It was a pretty good match. That is garbage. The last 10 minutes of that match were hard to watch. Hard to watch, sad, and pretty scary, actually, because you were like, am I going to watch this old fucker die right here? There was the spot where Jay really bad. was supposed to do the superplex, and they really bad, and they did it in like uh, the pre-match train or whatever, where Jay Lethal gets the superplex to uh, to Ric Flair. I'm like, okay, this is not even before I started to think it was really getting bad. I'm like, okay, we it, don't need to do the superplex. Kind of, please make- don't do this shit. And then Ric Flair came down. They did a suplex, and then the match went on. It, really bad. Like I said, to me, HBK versus Ric Flair is Ric Flair's last match. No, I get it. It ain't. I don't care no, what you. I don't care what no, you remember. This is his history, last match. Revisionist history for nah, me. That was 2008 HBK versus Ric Flair. That was fucking 14 this, years ago. This was some hot garbage bullshit. You could have had a pay per view take away this main event. Have Jacob Fatu versus Josh Alexander for the main event, and everything would have been okay. Anybody defending it got paid off. Of should, it. should no, like no, people on Twitter and shit it. like that. No, I'm talking about just regular people. Look, they should be embarrassed to have that take. That is no, the worst fucking take. There is no way you can do, legitimately defend this. The fact that Ric Flair totally was, agree was literally out on his yes. feet, bleeding. On Crimson multiple mask. occasions. Crimson mask. Andrade was Trying. basically dragging him at certain points. I'm like, sad. man, stop. Stop. Really sad. Stop. And you know what? This is where I'm like. You know what it kind of does? It kind of makes me. I know. It kind of makes me mad at the people that fucking planned it. I kind of think Conrad is a douche anyway. But I especially think he's a douche. Like. There had there has to be somebody in front of Ric Flair that says no, no. when he says, "Listen, we're going to make this go 27 minutes, and I I I'm going to take a superplex off the top rope." No, and, Rick, guess and, what you ain't going to do. And I'm going to blade. There has to be somebody that says, "Nope, no way, we won't do it if you're deciding on doing that." Post somebody match, has to be there. About, I'm going to go out with Kid Rock and have some drinks. If you don't sit your dumb ass down, dude, he's got six months left. Come on, man. That was, got, a, that was a suicide mission. That he, was kamikaze. He's, he's lucky that he made it through the match. The other thing is, the other thing is I know how thoughtful of a guy Mick Foley is. I'm a big Mick Foley fan. I've read a couple of his books. I think that he's a really thoughtful, smart guy, and they showed him sitting front row. There's no way that Mick Foley walked away from that being like, he should have done that. I guarantee you. That Mick Foley, who's a very thoughtful guy, walked away from that being like, that never should have happened. That um, We almost watched a guy die in the ring. A legend. That was... That Which was, also would have been kind of cool, I guess. Oh, no, fuck all that. <laughs> you don't want to see me at Joey's, you know, crying like a little bitch. You ain't going to cry when Ric Flair dies. Dude, I will shed a tear when Ric Flair dies. He is my guy. That is my dude. I've never cried before, for a single celebrity. Before Rock, before Austin, before anybody else, he is the first wrestler that I really gravitate, gravitated to. The only celebrity I would cry for 
is you because I know you're a celebrity on black wrestling Twitter <laughs> because that chick that I work with goes, wait a minute, you're on a podcast with Jay Bell? And I was like, wait a minute, where do you live? She's like, Tampa. And I was like, you know who Jay Bell is? She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I see him on Twitter. I was like, what the fuck? That means I have no time on my hands between my two jobs and doing no, a podcast. No, means you're a celeb, dude. <laughs> that means I have no life. That, you're going to die in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> this chair right here. What's wrong with Jason? I think he's smoking some weed. No, he's not right, breathing. But we, we really do need to be fair to the match. And if anybody comes back on this podcast years from now and was like, what are wrestling podcasts saying about Ric Flair's last match? I want everybody to know that Jason Bell Hard thumbs down. and Bill Vagie said that it was sad. Okay. It was not good. No, I don't want to see Ric Flair go out like that. That was that was like watching Jake Roberts pissing in the uh the backstage, you know, dude. They're gonna show that moment. They're gonna show that moment of his his hand shaking dude. trying to get to the brass knuckles oh. as he was passed out. And Andrade going right here and like picking up his pinky and shit, and trying like, to put it on his hand, and he couldn't put it on they're his. They're gonna hand. show that, that in documentaries. They're gonna show that in documentaries about wrestling for the next hundred years. No, because that dark shit side was of the sad. ring will show that shit. A, you know, a, if Conrad sells it, why is he gonna sell it? He basically put his father-in-law shit, out there at seventy-three. I don't like him. If you put his father-in-law at 73 and made money off of I it. met him backstage at Off-Broadway when I went back there to meet Bischoff, and he big-timed me. Really? Oh, yeah. Fuck him. He didn't know you was from Banff Ringside? Yeah, he did. They didn't know what Banff Ringside was, dude. Let's kick his motherfucking ass. Bischoff acted like he did, at least. Bischoff was like, <laughs> hey, Eric. And I was like, hey, Bill. <laughs> I went back there. I was like, hey, Mr. Bischoff, uh, you did the interview with us about a month ago. I'm Bill Vegas from Banff Ringside. And he goes... Oh hey, I'm Eric. <laughs> and like he was like just completely faking nah, it. I'm not going to remember that shit, but I'm just going to put my hand out there. See? And Conrad was just shoving a fucking double sourdough jack into his face. <laughs> Fat motherfucker. Go do some more real estate, idiot. <laughs> Thanks for killing my fucking hero on fucking pay per view, you bitch. I love talking shit to people that will never listen to this podcast. No, no they'll like never. Billy Gunn's retarded-looking kid. Which one? <laughs> the one that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, I was like, this guy looks like an idiot. His chest looks stupid. taller or shorter. The tall one. Okay. Um, Colton. I was going to say Connor. Yeah, Colton. Anyway, sorry about saying the R word. Um, anything else to say? <laughs> anything else to say about Ric Flair's final? No, it's, it's. I'm glad it's over. Never come back. Let's just do the. Um, yeah, move forward. This is from All right, before we go away, I'm going to tell you guys the three best jokes that I saw from the 25 minutes that I watched of the Ric Flair roast oh, this week. This should be uh, bad, bad. First of all, <laughs> this comedian said that Ric Flair's liver had soaked up more booze than the mat at DDP's shitty yoga studio. <laughs> cool. And then he called, he called DDP... Downward Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> oh! Stop! Shut the fuck up! And then Brad Nestler, who was the Rosemaster. Right, right, right. The football yeah, announcer. Yeah, he does like uh, college football or whatever. He said, this dais is so white. If it was any whiter, Chris Jericho's wife would, store the, would storm the Capitol with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Really good stuff. That was just the first 25 minutes. Those three you didn't jokes. watch the rest of this shit? I, I, I was watching it with my daughter while she was just shoving yogurt in her mouth. I was okay, just yeah, like, no, keep eating. No, keep eating. This is going to be good. No, I mean, there's probably two hours left. We'd probably go in and watch That's it. comedy, dude. Um, this is banned from ringside. Okay, we got some birthdays this week. Uh, Dean Malenko. 63. 62. Pretty close. Uh, Frankie Gazarian is... 45. No, don't, don't ask me that shit. Dino Bravo. <laughs> it was one time. He is dead. R.I.P. Dino Bravo. Would have been the 73. got his ass. Yep. Tony Nice is 37. Sable. Mrs. Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. 55. Was she married? No, that was uh, Deborah that was married to. Uh, he stole her from Oak. Scott Miro, right? Uh, Mark, Mark Miro. Mark Miro. Yeah. 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 Uh, Shayna Baszler is 42. She's my age. Zach Gibson is 32. Silas Young is 42, the last real man. Shout out to uh, my wrestling uh, savior guide. It's high five time. Get Silas Young on your shit, man. I also want to say that Silas Young uh, apparently went to Jack Patrick's after wrestling at the Grandel, which there's going to be another one. And no, are, are we supposed to do that? I, well, I'm not saying anybody that's there. I'm just saying everybody keep wrestling in the grandel in your mind. Yeah, okay? keep it in the back of your there's mind. There's a second one happening. We just don't know the. the no, date I don't yet. know. I'm just saying everybody keep it in your mind. You know, people talked about Lollapalooza the month after. Uh, you don't know there's going. Never mind. Silas Young apparently went to Jack Patrick's. He and did. He was a big sweetheart, and everybody really liked oh, him. He was, and stayed there till close, yeah, which is really my cool. type. Of, my type of dude. Uh, Alexa Bliss is 31. Tugboat mm. slash Typhoon. R.I.P. <laughs> Would have been 66. <laughs> Savio Vega? Alive. Alive. 58. Wade Barrett is 42. On your show, NXT. They're going to take that shit over. With oh, we should have talked about NXT tonight. Triple H taking Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. For Vice. Check. For Tinder Bahal. For Joey O'Farrell. Check. For the Sideways in Time podcast with Double Murray check. the Murray Man Murray. For Lucha Chris. For check. Patriot Path. Check. For Soul Taco. Check. For my dog Reba. For my check. cat Xander. For my check. cat Millie. Check. For my wife check. Aaron. For my daughter Edna. Double check. Everybody, support your local weed dealers. Support your local restaurants. Check. And never, ever, ever, ever ever forget Spoo the heels hey I was here too and for Jason (laughs) Bell apparently I forgot him